This is the Darnell Autry Show. I am Darnell Autry with Daniel Blunk. And here we go. And welcome back to the Darnell Autry Show, the podcast. I'm your host, Darnell. And I'm here with my co-host, Daniel. Hello. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a minute. I know. I know it's been a minute. But we are going to get into... The fourth section of how do you know your script is complete? Now, I'm pumped about this one because, as you remember, the third one was about, like, character in general, character development, right? It was about character development. about getting depth, you know, learning more, connecting the dots, giving back, all that kind of stuff, okay? But this, this one... This one is character arc, right? Yeah. Okay. So, Daniel, all right, give it to us. First of all, let's talk about character arc, what that means, because a lot of people probably don't know. Right. And then from there, give me how that fits into how I know my script is complete. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So our character arc is essentially how does our character realistically change over the course of our story? Gotcha. And it's this tricky goal of different but the same. I can't have, like you always talk about, you can't have change for change's sake. Right. It's got to make sense. Like, okay, this person started out this way, ended up this way. I get it. It's a very natural, right? It's a natural progression. Right. So there's four parts to to consider, I guess four four pieces of the puzzle. Okay. So because it's different but the same, something about the character has to stay the same throughout. Gotcha. So the one thing that'll be, I guess, a fixed point for the character okay. is their deepest need. Okay. There's something that's missing from their life. There's something that they need to realize they need to get for them to be a complete person so that within, within the context of the story yeah within the okay gotcha gotcha so the need doesn't change even if someone argues like whoa can't they overcome that they can but for the purpose of this let's just say that that need that deepest need never changes gotcha so that'll be a fixed point so then these next three will be the things that we start tinkering with over the course of the story right how the character views themselves. Okay. How the character views the world. Okay. And then what the character wants. Mm. So those are things that we'll tinker with. So you're talking, but that's different than the need, right? The want is, okay. So the want is different than the need. Yes. Perfect. Because their deepest need, if you go even farther upstream from that, the need is there because there's a certain emptiness. There's something missing from that person. So it's so they may not even know what the need is. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So the need the need is there and they may not know what the need is or they yep. may know what the need is, mm-hmm. but it just hasn't shown itself in a way that makes it clear to them. Like uh like you're saying, it may be on a, a subconscious level they get it. Right. And they're maybe very haphazardly, very clumsily trying to fill that part of their soul. Right. 
with gotcha. whatever they're doing at the beginning. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And then that deep emptiness, right? The need is caused by the emptiness. The emptiness is caused by the character's deepest flaw. And we talked about this before. Yes, yes, the, absolutely. The core of the character is their flaw. Right. The reason why I don't like that to change in the character is that their good points and their bad points all stem from that flaw. Right. Because that's that's the real world. And yeah. That's, that's the way the world really works. Yeah. That's where people really work. Yeah. Because I can think of maybe a parent who's extremely strict with their kids. They're not very... They're not loving in the sense of they don't hug their kids. They don't tell their kids they love them. But they work two jobs. They save up all that money. Their kids can go to any college, not have to rack up student loan so debt. The love, so the love is expressed differently. Yeah. Gotcha. But you see a flaw there. Right. But their good points stem from that. Right. They might have their the flaw. Their work ethic, yeah. their, their character, their upstanding, their honesty, yeah. their, their focus they're actual, the, the core of the genuine care. The care comes from the same exact place that a hugging and kissing and all that comes yeah. from. Yeah. But it's just manifests itself in a different way, which, again, like you said, the flaw from some people is like, man, he's kind of harsh. That parent's kind of tough. He's yeah. really tough on those kids. But that comes from the same place that the, the deepest love and want for your kid yeah. To do well and, you know, do great yeah. things. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Because if their deepest flaw you identify is they think the world only cares about that college degree. The world only cares what you can do for them. So you better be a lawyer or a doctor or something that they need. Gotcha. Now that's a flaw. Yeah. That's not really how the world is. But that's how they see it. But if they, if they see it like that, then they're going to say, no, 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 you're going to do your homework. You're going to maybe volunteer, do some volunteer work. You're going to be extracurricular yeah. stuff. You're going to be all that. Yeah. You're going to do gonna more. You're going to get into the best college. Yeah, you're going to learn how to play a piano. You're going to do whatever it takes because that's what gets you into that position yeah. of my point of view that the world only needs these things. And I want to make sure yeah. that you are the person that the world needs. Yep. Got it. So that's got that, it, got that it. deepest flaw in yes. the character. Gotcha. So then we start playing with these other variables, right? How does the character see themselves? And we got to make sure as writers, it's not how do I see my character? Right. Because that's, that's a very confusing thing. I could see how people could get very confused, right? It re almost reminds me a little bit of um, something you said in, in class, and this is going to come full circle, where how I feel about a character is neither here nor there. I, I, I should I should not, whether or not I like them or dislike them is not the point, right? How I feel about the character isn't how the character feels. Right. Right? So if you have a character that you, let's say you're playing a villain and you dislike him, then it makes it really hard for you to play him from his perspective, because your perspective overtakes his real, you know, his real uh, wants and desires, because mm -hmm. that's how you feel about him, not yep. necessarily how he feels about himself. Yeah. And you often point out about villainous characters that a lot of poorly done villains, they're evil just for evil's sake. Right. Right. I'm just I kick cats because that's what my villain <laughs> <Right>. does. <laughs> yeah. He just kicks cats. Yeah. You know, which that's not right. That's just evil for evil's sake. But yeah. if the point of view is, you know, 
hey, I, I have a view and it's not a popular one, but this is the one I believe in, right? I think that, you know, my villain, you know, hates all prostitutes, let's just say. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's based out of like an experience that I had in my view of the world and why I think that, you know, selling your body is wrong and this, that, and the other. Now, that's how the character feels. Yeah. And he doesn't think that's wrong. Yep. So for you to play him and go, I really hate this guy. Yeah. It isn't helpful because yep. the character doesn't hate himself right. for that view. Mm-hmm. And he, he may hate himself, but he still feels that way. No matter what, no matter how you try to like how, how he tries to get away from it, he still feels that way. Yep. You know, he hates politicians, no matter how you, you know, no matter how he tries to get away from it, he will always hate politicians. So it does kind of remind me of that kind of thing where it's the character's perspective, not the writer's perspective on the character. Yep. Which is a very, I think a lot, I think a lot of writers get caught up in that. They get really tripped up by falling in love with a character and all of a sudden, no, oh, this character sounds a lot like you. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, right, yes. right. This yes. character sounds a little bit like you, yep. like, like you would do those kind of things. And oh, you go, yeah. well, no, no, this is my hero. This is what heroes do. I'm like, yeah. no, pretty sure. That's yep. why. I, and I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a good note to have because a lot of people don't realize that. That if you look at your character arc and your character arc is more like you, then is that, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. That's a really good point. So that's, Again, how the character views themselves, not how I look at my character. That's right. one. And then how the character views the world and wh- whatever their world consists of in the story. Correct. It could be just their family. And that's it. That's their whole world because that's the world of the story. Right. It could be a global thing. It could be whatever it is. But you define what their world consists of and then how do they view that? And that's a big thing. Huge. And then it's the what do they want? And this is the one usually is the easiest to see in characters, especially when they're more formulaic. Okay, if if you see the guy, he's the main character. At the beginning of the movie, he's maybe he's a stockbroker. He's got fancy clothes, fancy car, the fancy house, and he's every weekend he's dating a new model. If he's going to become a better person, you know what direction he's going to have to go in. Right. He's got to find the simple girl who cares about just yeah. him and doesn't care about his money or his good looks and humbles him and, and makes him see the real, what really is valued in yeah. life, not Porsches and, and Rolexes. It's actually love and time and um, participation in life and yeah. the, the free things at the park that they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? That sledding that he's never done because that's just not something he's ever done before. Yep. Yep. Right. And to me, one of the best examples, only because the premise of the movie allows this to come through so well, Groundhog Day. It's been years since I've seen that. Because he has to relive that day over and over and over and he keeps, it's the same thing. And you see him make the same mistake over and over. You know, at the beginning, he thinks of himself as better than everyone else. Interesting. It's been so long since I've seen yeah. it. i got to see that again. And you think about, okay, what does his world consist of? Well, for most of the movie, the, the, his world is the town of Punxsutawney. 
So what does he think of that world? Well, they're a bunch of small town hicks. Right. They're beneath him. Right. What does he want? He wants to get out of there. Right. He wants to go back to big city. He wants to be somewhere where he belongs. Right. But the premise of the movie immediately challenges what he wants. He wants to get out of Punk's story, and yet every morning he wakes up, he's right back there. Right. The events, the story, have to challenge these beliefs. Yes, because then if they didn't, then there'd be no story. Right, there's no story. You have characters and stories so that doesn't matter. Okay, then he, he left, and he went back to New York, and that's it. Yeah. That's all. Problem solved. Yep. He went to big city. That's it. So when you see the character Phil Connor, every morning he keeps waking up in this stupid little town that he doesn't want to be in. Something, it's going to affect him. It's going to challenge him somehow. Right. So what I like, and I think a, a nice, uh, if you want to call it a writing trick or whatever, is once the character is challenged, have them reformulate their beliefs so that they're even worse than they were before. Mm. Because too many of the poorly done character arcs, right, they think whatever they think, and then they get challenged, and then, oh, my goodness. It's fixed. All done. Yeah, Betty was right about me. I am a jerk. And now they're good. Like, wait, how would you even have the skills to, to improve your <laughs> Yes, yes, right. Right, right, right. Which, which then, which then, unfortunately, in the formal leg, that you have to now throw in another hook or obstacle or something, right? Because it would end right then and there. You know what I mean? Yep. You would be like, oh, no, there has to be something else. And so you end up writing and babbling on and on and on. And all of a sudden, this movie could have ended. And people are not stupid when they watch a film. They go, this could have ended like an hour ago. Yeah. He could have just gotten in the car and left. Like, that would have been right. that. But I don't know why all of a sudden the car blew up and now he doesn't have a car. He never got a car after that. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. the, the writer then starts trying to artificially create obstacles to make it seem as though that challenge just didn't get overcome like that. Mm -hmm. And it didn't, wasn't really a challenge. So you're a mean guy. You're right. I am mean. All right. I'll start being nicer. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Oh, okay. Okay. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why I like the trick of have them reformulate and become even worse temporarily. Going back to Groundhog Day. Once he realizes that he just keeps Waking up, it's the same day over and over. He understands, oh, there's no consequences to my actions. I can do whatever I want, and I'll just always wake up in that same bed, and it'll always be February 2nd. So he still thinks he's better than everybody else. Right. He still thinks this town is beneath him. But now instead of wanting to get out of Punxsutawney, he's going to use Punxsutawney as his own little playground. And be worse. Yeah. Right. So now he's worse for a while. He's manipulative. He, because he understands how things go about that day, he, he robs the armored car. He oh, does all these things. He manipulates women. Yeah. Right, he gets women into bed with him. Right. It's like, he's worse now. Right. And then when something else gets challenged, he starts to now want something different. He says, oh, you know, my producer, the, um, Rita. Right. Oh, let me pay attention to her. That becomes his new want. Oh, I want to score with her. Right. But now he keeps getting shut down. So all that success 
went to his head mm -hmm. and now it's failure after failure after mm. failure and now he becomes depressed right even suicidal multiple times right so he doesn't think of himself as better than everyone else right because of though that that worsening it becomes the wake up that i'm I now see the man in the mirror at the very bottom. I'm now I'm yeah. dipped down below where yeah. I never thought I would be in this small town. Yep. So he goes from he wants to leave Punxsutawney to, ha, huh, I'll stay and just use this as my own little playground because there's no consequences to, oh, I want to score with my producer, Rita, to I want to die. Right. I want to die. Right. I can't take this anymore. Right. So he keeps reformulating worse and worse and worse. Yes. I mean, it's bad enough to be a jerk, but you don't want to be suicidal. Right. That's worse. So he gets to that point. Then finally, he's starting to reformulate for the better. He understands that this is my fate. I'm, I'm always going to wake up on February 2nd. So why not? And by the end of the movie, it's he just does good just for its own sake. Right. Which is one of the ultimate signs of a good person. Right. They, what do you do when people aren't watching, right? Yeah. I'm not doing it to get credit. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. You know, he, he always runs up and saves that kid from falling out of the tree day after day. Right. There's nothing that's going to come of that. He's just going to have to do it again. But he keeps doing it. Right. So then the curse is broken, right? He finally gets to wake up the day after Groundhog Day. Right. Because he learned his lesson. The, the universe, yeah, whatever happened. Yeah. So Smiled me, upon him. Yeah. And, yes. So to me, that's an excellent example of don't let your character figure it out. Let them get challenged and then they get worse. Now, you don't have to do as many iterations. As right. No, no, does. right, right. Because that's yeah, over and over and yeah. over again. Right. But that is a great example of how to do a character arc correctly. Because by the time you get to the end and he's actually a genuinely nice guy. There's still a little bit of that, his flaw left. Right. Because he still is a little bit of a show off. Right. He's playing the piano and. Right, right. So he's still him. Right. He's a you better, be, yeah, him. Yeah. better, better version of himself. Yeah. So that's, that's really well done. And like I said, one of the strategies is when they are challenged, when one of their beliefs is challenged, have them reformulate for the worse. Right. Another trick is, and this will usually, well, no, I guess you can kind of pull this out whenever you want to. Face the character with a dilemma. Makes sense. And Robert McKee from his book Story, he explains dilemma is two good things that the character wants, but can't have both. Yes, because if you can have both, then what would there's no there's no internal struggle. Yeah. Right. Or the lesser of two evils. Which is I mean, in my dark side, far more interesting for me, mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, if it's a win-win, no matter what you do, yeah. it's not as interesting as, oh, those are both terrible. It, immediately what comes to mind is, um, uh, what's, that, uh, what's that horror movie where um, you have to um, make choices and the wrong ones make people dead. The other ones, and it's a, the clown, and it's uh, oh, spirals on his face. Is that it's, the Saw franchise? Yeah, the Saw franchise. Yeah, right. 
it's the what do you do? Do you mm-hmm. buzz your hand and do enough blood, or do you not do it and everybody die? Like it was, there was always yeah. like, what's worse? You take the lesser of the evils. When right. at the end you realize like there was a way to do it without even having to do, which makes it a very smart series yeah. in my mind, right? It makes yeah, yeah, it very yeah. smart that like you guys could have all just survived, but you guys chose the worst of the worst choices. Yeah. Self-preservation and whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's an ongoing, there's so many different yeah. lessons to be learned. But yeah, the lesser of the evils mm-hmm. tends to be, um, for me, more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can put that several times in your story. You can face them with a dilemma and they punk out. Yes. Like, ah, uh, okay, I see how you are. Yeah, they, they decline to, they, yeah, they let them off. Yeah. But then you can face them with something similar at the end where now they pick maybe the more heroic or the more virtuous. Right. It can be the, you push this button, you die, but the world survives. Right. Uh, I punk out and I let the whole world die. Right, 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 right. But at the end, they're self-sacrificing. It's like, no, it's just me. I'll sacrifice myself and save the world. Right, right. So that that the lesser two evils does provide that kind of thing. Yes. But yeah, using that as another writing trick. Facing with a dilemma. And so the character has to make that tough decision. I don't want either one of these. Right. Or I want both of these, but I can only have one. I have to choose one. Right. It's a really good way to show where your character is at in their development. So in terms of the character arc, if you have posed him with or her with those elements, you'll have a fuller arc. You'll have a, a more natural dramatic arc. I don't know if that's yeah. a more um, deeper arc, I guess. Yeah, because like you said, audiences are not dumb. No, they really they, not. They know when you change the character for the better because, oh, we're almost at the end, so they got to be better. Right. You got 15 minutes. How is he going to fix this? Oh, they, he's just going to choose this. Yeah. And you know it's going to end. I know how this ends. It's going to be fine. Yeah. But there's no realistic. I, I can't. No real natural progression yeah. to see why he would naturally or why she would naturally choose the husband versus the 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 lover. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, he, she went back to her husband. We knew that was going to happen because she's got kids and she's, you know, she's a good person. And that's what good people do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because that's the and it's funny because I <laughs> I tend to watch films and I look at them like. Okay, so this character, the main guy's done so many bad things that it'd be impossible for him to survive this movie. There's no coming back from all the murder, death kills and all the bad decisions you've made. And even at the end, when you do the one right thing, if that one right thing absolves you from all of it, (laughs) it better be you just saved the universe, right? (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? This character is so, like, flawed and broken and done nasty things and did terrible things that when he finally does something good, the audience still would not feel right if he was like, and he gets to go off into the sunset. Yeah. 
Right. Because we feel like we sat there for two hours like, oh, the, he's just going to do that anyway. Yeah. So where's this? Where, where's where's the growth at? Where's the yeah, he's he's nasty. He's he's a tough guy. He's you know, he's killed a lot of people for yeah. no reason or a lot of reasons or whatever. Right. And now at the end, he just saves one person and everything else that he's done is now he's a good guy. Yeah. Like you. I see that a lot. I look mm -hmm. at it and go, this 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 movie ends with this dude dying for sure. For sure. Because how how do you get him out of it? And again, I'm not stupid either. I'm looking at you got 15 minutes to get him out of this. Right. He's done a lot of terrible things, man. He's done some really nasty, like, and if he does do something positive at the end and it absolves him, you as an artist still feel cheated. Mm -hmm. Because you feel like, and you ride, because if you do it right, you're, you're on the ride with him, right? You're like, oh, I feel so terrible and so low. This guy's an alcoholic. He's, you know, done drugs and he's beaten up people and he's smacked his old lady and, you know, he kicked the dog. And he did all these things. And mm -hmm. you go, oh, he's horrible. And then at the end, he does one good thing. And all of a sudden he goes, hey, he's better now. Yeah. People are like, no, no, we're not buying it. Yep. Absolutely not. He does yep. not get that pass. And that's why a lot of people feel cheated sometimes when you watch a show and you're like, nope, everybody has to die. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just, you know, I look at it. How does this end? How could he, how could he possibly, you know, be this terrible and be the lead guy or be this sad and ridiculous and pathetic and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And be like, Oh, and then he, then, you know, it all ends good for him. Yeah. It's all, you're on the highway to hell. There's no way to, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So that's, so what we've been talking about so far is, the more tradition of the constructive arcs, right? mm -hmm. the character becomes a better person. Right. Uh, if you're going to do it the other way, uh, maybe like a tragic hero, right? The person that starts out a good guy and then becomes corrupted over time, you would do it sort of the mirror image where you can see him reformulating and, and he's getting worse and worse. Then maybe one time he gets a little better. So, oh, okay, well, maybe he's not. He's turned the corner. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's Maybe he's not going to fall off the... Oh, no, no, no. He made the bed. Same, same. He reverted back. Yep. But you want to keep those things going where, as the audience, like you said, we're with him. Like, okay, I get why he's now doing this. Right. I get why he just wanted to leave, but now he's just trying to manipulate people. Right. I get why now he's just depressed. He's suicidal. Right. I get all this stuff. And then I can get, all right, I can get why he's decided I'm just going to do it. I, I've let go. Yes. I've let go of trying to escape this time and manipulate loop. it and control it yeah. and try to harness it and try to like, you finally have to just let go. Yeah. So I have a sidebar question okay. for you. Do you think the average person's life has movie qualities to it, right? So when we as human beings go down bad paths, right? Because we, we all fall off one way, shape, form, or another. We don't get the job we wanted. We have issues with our personal lives. We have issues with our families. We have issues with our kids. We have issues with our parents or whatever. Do you think that most lives end up resolved in that arc? Or do you think they just end and some things get fixed, some things don't get fixed? Um, 
I guess the deeper question is, do you think it's in our nature to want to resolve and get back to like, and then things are good again? Or do you think it's in our nature just to kind of go, eh, I mean, I can't solve everything. And, you know, my mother is who my mother is. And so we just, we just deal with it. And she died and we had never had a conversation. And that's just that. And there's no, no end ding to it. Right. Do you think most people's lives are just that? And that's why you they watch films because they want to they want to have an arc like that where they can button up their lives and everything and peachy keen or end with the good guy winning because that feels better because in the real world, that's not how it goes. Yeah, because I think reality has so many moving parts to it that there's so many random things. Right. And a movie's two hours. A life is 90 years. Right. And we're all just, you know, pinballs being, bouncing off each other in the universe here. Right. So I think we desperately try to create a narrative. Okay. We try to create that story. Right. Of how this all works out. And I'm not blaming people for having religious beliefs or anything like that. But there is something to the idea of everything happens for a reason. Right. If you believe that, that is such a powerful psychological tool to cope with whatever you're faced with. Right. Right, right, right. Okay. One thing after another after another, but it all happens for a reason. And you believe that. So that you can move on from that painful, sad, disappointing, the the terrible thing that happened to you. Yeah. That, oh, this happened to me and it's made me a better person and this happened for a reason. And so I'm better for the experience and I can move on with my life and do do better, right? Yeah. Be better. Yeah. Have the, the family and the kids and, and, and all that if that's what you want or... Travel the world because that's what you are. Whatever your whatever your vision is of mm-hmm. unhappy ending, right? Yeah, that's that's that. We're giving ourselves a narrative to go by because because you look at the truth about people, and and we all have we separate. There's a group of people that we don't like. Yeah, there's a people that we admire. Yeah, or like Hitler belongs in the we hate that guy, right? And that's it. Right. He might have been cool to somebody. Probably. He might have been a nice neighbor to his next door neighbor. Probably. But that that's not part of our narrative. It's like, no, Hitler was evil. Because yes. 99.9% of all the crap he did and said was evil. Right. So we don't care that his one neighbor... Maybe thought, you know, that Adolf, he's a cool guy. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. We always barbecue together. I mean, he makes right. one hell of a pot roast. Yeah. Like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you certainly don't get credit for any of that. And just like with the people we admire, our heroes, and you find out, like, oh, he dated a 17-year-old once? Yeah. Like, eesh. Like, yeah. Where did that even come from? Yeah. I would yeah. not think that that guy, like, that guy? Yeah. You know, and it, and it brings me to the same thought about, like, when I have my son, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to instill in him to do our best yep. to separate our admiration for what people do as a living 
and who they are as people. Yeah. Right. Because who you are as a person is, could be very different than what you are on TV or what you are in your profession, right? You're a doctor and my son admires doctors, which is great. But if you find out that this doctor has, you know, three ex-wives and, and, you know, beat his kids and, and is an alcoholic and, and does all of these things. And it crushes your soul about how you feel about doctors Mm -hmm. because you haven't, because you haven't learned to separate like the professional from the personal. Yep. You know, like athletes all the time. I I hear it all the time where, you know, this guy's, you know, I hear it all. It's so it's ad nauseum of how much, admiration we put on our stars celebrities athletes those people and then they do something bad a dui um they have a fight with a spouse um they have a fight in public um they um they do something that we go oh no not my hero why would you tell tiger woods how could you do that you read my mind that's acts of the person i was thinking of right now yeah tiger woods how you're, you're Tiger Woods. You you can't have all these girlfriends, man. You yeah. you're married to a duchess. You're you're perfect. How? Oh, Tiger. And for me, I it 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 was it was surprising. Mm. But I I I wasn't I wasn't any less impressed with his athletic ability any less impressed with his impact on the game and any less impressed with you know what he was able to accomplish in the game of golf you know but as a person it just goes to show you like you just don't know these people like as much as you want to try to know these people Mm -hmm. they're human beings yep and they have all kinds of flaws all kinds of terrible terrible things that they do individually and and the way they see the world and and the way they see themselves, which is which is interesting. That do you think? And it leads me to this other question: of Do you think you could ever write something that is one thousand percent just raw, real? And if raw, real happens, it doesn't end at all, right? It just ends. There's no because sometimes there's no like. And then he became king and everybody's happy, right? Yeah. I think you can do that. But again, you have to establish that within the universe of your story. The universe of your story is random and nihilistic. Um, no Country for Old Men yes. is a good example of that. Yes. It just kind of ends. Yes. Although that was that was that was heavy. I mean, the yeah. dude came to the, the guy's house and said, "I was going to do what I came to do," and he did it. Right? That was yeah. uh, Javier when he went to the yeah. ladies said, "I was going to come visit you." Right. And it ends. And you know, the um, I was called Thanos. Yes, <laughs> Josh Brolin's yes, Brolin, yes. character. He dies off screen. Yes, we never see that. Uh, Sheriff Bell retires and he's a messed up guy now. Yes. Javier Bardem goes through all this. He's the, the, the Terminator, right? Literally. And then he gets into a car accident. Yes. And he goes limping off with a compound fracture in his arm. 
I forgot that after he killed the 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 family. Yeah, he gets in the car, gets t boned. But that is. But do you think that's still like a listen? He he's got something bad's got to happen to him. Like the audience, is like no, he can't just be that guy and just walk away. I but think, he still does. Yeah. But I think because the entire tone of the movie was things just happen and I can't explain it. Right. That whole opening monologue by Cheryl Bell. Yep. He's talking about this, the way the world is becoming. Yes. That he's fearful of meeting, running into something I've never experienced before. Yes. Because you never figure out why in the world Anton Sugar does that. No. You don't. He tries to explain it. It's like, oh, no, it's a coin toss. Like, no, it's not. Something's wrong with you. Yes. So I don't know how, I don't know why he does what he does. And that's the frightening thing of he's, he's an excellent villain because I have no clue what makes this guy tick. And, and it's very real, right? Like that's scarier to me. People that walk around that have no rhyme or reason for the violence that just, yep. That overcomes them and just makes them who they are. I wonder if people have ever done any studies on his character. Like, like, what what do you make of that guy? Mm-hmm. The haircut and everything. I mean, this is yeah. like, but he was brilliant. I was like, oh my, this dude is scary. Like you run into like, I feel like I'm a pretty big guy, a bigger guy, pretty athletic. He, he'd probably make me nervous. I'm like, what is this dude doing? Like, he's just stone faced, flat faced. Yeah. And flipping a coin like this is your life. Why? Mm-hmm. Just because you can, yeah. or you you like that? I, I, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's a very I, I forgot about that movie. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, that's. But you're saying you know, can you make a movie where just things happen? It just keeps going. Like that's that's a style of movie where. But you have to establish that stuff just happens and nothing's fair. In that entire movie, right. nothing happens that's supposed to happen. Nothing is fair. Right. That wife did nothing wrong. No idea. Right? Did nothing wrong. I was like, oh, she doesn't deserve to die, but they're. And there he kills them. Yeah. But you don't see it. Right. But it's, but it's so poetic how, like, at the end, he looks at his shoes. Yep. And you clearly know, like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So I think if you're going to make that type of brutally real, you know, where no one's a good guy or a bad guy, they're just them, you would have to make it that kind of a movie where that tone resonates all the way through. In those those movies, I feel like, and I have to do some research, tend to be very exhausting, you know, at the end, because you you I think as moviegoers, you, again, you go in expecting like either some resolution and I feel like I want some resolution and I feel like this should be buttoned up nicely and John Wick should win, right? Yep. John Wick should win. And I'm comfortable knowing that at the end, he's going to win. Yeah. Now, it may be tough. He may get beat up. You know, he may make some bad choices, whatever, but he's going to win. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm rooting for him because he's a badass. Mm-hmm. So you go in with that expectation. But if you go into a movie like that and you watch the trailer and you go, what is this? 
And then you get in there and you're like, what is this? Like, what? How come? Oh, man. Like, this is heavy, mm-hmm. you know? But but I think that's, I think the dark the darker side in me and the dramatic passion for that kind of film mm-hmm. says that's closer to real than, say, you know, and then the guy gets the girl and they happily ever after and, mm-hmm. you know, all is buttoned up, right? The money's found. You figured out who did it. You figured out why he did it. Okay. It wasn't the, it wasn't the cop. It was the other guy. Good. He deserved it. Okay. Good. Okay. I leave there feeling great. I think a lot of people would rather those kind of films than the kind of films I like. I want to go in there and be like, man, I don't know. Like this is Mm -hmm. what? Yeah. You know? And audiences are often more forgiving of a more traditional story. Our hero, our good guy, whatever you want to call him, if they win at the end, they overcome at the end, we'll forgive that's not a perfect movie. Now, something like a No Country for Old Men, we were okay with it. We accepted the type of movie it was. It's a masterpiece. Yes. So if you're going to do something like that, right, it's like you better nail It'll, you better get everything. If, if you, because if you don't, people are going to go. I hated that film. That went absolutely nowhere, right. and it was a bunch of violence for no reason. Yep. And the dude was creepy for no reason. And what was the thing at the end with the? the so he did kill the kid and the mom. That's terrible. I know he got a compound. Is is he going to live? Like this was dumb. Yeah. But I still think there was people that watched that that did that because. When I go to the movies, I I, I want to I wanna feel good. You know, I only go watch musicals. I only watch Disney. I only watch, you know, any movie that Kirsten Dunst is in or whatever that is. Yeah. Because there's an expectation of how you want to be treated, right? How you sure. want to feel. Yep. So I guess that makes sense. All right. So I got I got way off topic. I got no, too deep no, about no. the real world. Okay. So we were talking, Your that's your second point, right? Of... Yeah, but those those two tricks. Um, let them reformulate at first in an even worse way. Right. Another trick is to let them face a dilemma. Right. Um, and this goes, and my last point would be about how you and I as actors, we're always looking for when we're going to play a character, they're super objective. Why is, okay, what's the super objective of the character? And that, like you were pointing out, their want is different from their need. Right. Characters need stays the same all throughout, but their wants change over time. Right. If you think of, again, I'm going to go back to Groundhog Day. Okay, what was, what was Phil Connor's super objective? He wanted to live a life of importance. Right. Now, at first, he thought that meant getting on a big national show, being better than everyone else. That's how I'm going to live a life of importance. Right. And at the end... Living a life of importance means being good to everybody. Right. So that never changed. Right. That he wanted to live a life of importance. But it's just how you went about it, how you go about doing that for the greater good, not for the selfish you. Yep. Right. So writers, please remember, someone's going to have to act out your script at some point. Yes. Give them something where they're not just reading like, um, I don't know what to do with this character. Right. But also give them something that's a challenge, right? Because yep. 
you know, there's a lot of, and again, I'm, I'm not knocking any production. I just would never, I've watched some pretty slow movies. I've watched some movies that I, I that, that I ended. I'm like, oh, I did not like that. <laughs> but as, as a aspiring producer and an actor, I understand the amount of effort and the amount of work that went into that piece. And so it will always be respected and always be um, looked at for that work. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, you know, writing juicy stuff for actors that got chops is big, right? Writing things that are hard and difficult and complicated is far more exciting than writing the superhero, you know, fight the bad guy at the end and win, yep. right? Yep. Writing stuff that's really deep and emotional and moving and touching and flawed and real, right? Because people, because again, you know, people's real lives are, are all kinds of messy and yet clean, yet hover over all kinds of different things. And we do things that we end up needing therapy for. We, mm -hmm. we end up doing things to other people that they need therapy for. We end up, you know, having selfish moments. We have selfless moments. So we, we ride the gamut in a lifetime, you know, and we have different compartments of our lives where we're, where we are, who we are by ourselves, who we are with our friends, who we are with our coworkers, who we are with our, our, lovers and spouses and family like there's you know different versions of us some because some are pretty the same so again it's just we're all very different and so i think life can be very very messy and i feel like and complicated but also very surprising as well and and hopeful and, yeah. and energetic yeah. and you know um full of miracles and that kind of thing sure. too so you know let's write things that do that let's yes. write things that reflect that absolutely so, Daniel, as always, always get us going, man. You always get us going. So that was number four on how you know your script is done when you look at your characters and that arc is 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 clear. It's it's logical or illogical, but it's on purpose, not illogical because you didn't know how or where the guy was going or right. where she was going. It it's clear, it makes sense. To the character, right? Not to just you as the writer, right? It's clear to the character. Yep. Uh, Daniel, as always, thank you. I'm super pumped for the next. What do we got? Two more? We got three more. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you so very much for tuning in. Um, as always, please, please, please keep continuing to take care of each other. This is Daniel. Thank you very much, listeners, uh, for everything over this entire year. Uh, Daniel signing off. Thank you for joining us at the Darnell Autry Show. We're out. <laughs>